Hello and welcome to another Film Flashbacks episode on the Auteur Archives podcast. The basic format is, each episode we select a year at random, talk briefly about that year in movies, our least favourites, our top five, along with some honourable mentions and some recommendations. This time around we take a look at the year of 2001, a year in which the world witnessed the shocking events in New York when the Twin Towers were attacked, the world's largest greenhouse, the Eden Project, was opened in Cornwall. Apple released the first version of the iPod, and Deputy Prime Minister John Prescott punches a protester for throwing an egg at him. It was also a great year for movies. Listen now to hear Max and I share our views on the movies released in 2001. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Welcome back for another Film Flashbacks episode. How are we doing, mate? I'm very well. How are yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. So today we're going to talk about the year of 2001. So that's what we uh, randomly generated on the end of the last episode. But before we do that, I thought we'd quickly touch base on the films we each recommended each other to watch from the last episode, which was 2013. So um, I think... For me, I was to go and watch Philomena and yes. you were to go and watch Under the Skin. So do you want to go first on what you thought of Under the Skin? So I uh, I think I watched this maybe a couple of days after we talked about it. Right. And it was still fresh in my mind, like, you know, to, to give it a go and stuff like that. I really liked it. Oh, Okay. But I'm still shocked that it was in your top five, and even more shocked that it was your number one. Oh, okay. I liked it. I re- I thought it was very good. It was not anywhere near as what I thought it was going to be. As in, like, what like the way you described it as being like very visual. It really is, and like it's there is a lot of stuff that yeah I can I can understand that it's hard to kind of contemplate and like explain. You can see why it's without... kind of hard to audibly yeah. describe it, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's not what I expected at all, I, I, but in a good way, and I, re- I really did enjoy it, but I still wouldn't consider it to be maybe top five. I guess it's probably because it's been out for a while and there's other stuff, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but no, I, I thought the score behind it was like just, it's a, it's, it's weird. It doesn't make you feel uneasy. There's just a constant while you're watching the film of not really knowing what's going to happen next. Yeah. It's very jarring it's, and in like intentionally yeah. so. The, the only way I could describe it is it's like a very, um, it's a science, it's a science fiction version of like fake taxi. As in, I was, li- I was really believe- following you, thinking this is going to be a really serious analogy. <laughs> but no, you've gone down no, the porn route. It was just, 
you know, it starts with, you know, Scarlett Johansson driving around, picking up random men to shag and that. And I was like, this is just, this is just a really high budget version of Fake Taxi. But, but no, like... <laughs> you it, fucking um... ruined this film for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, like, I, you know, it was one of those things where uh, I like the fact they don't... I like the fact that you'd never find out anything, as in that you don't yeah. find out really too much about her. You don't you're really not, find you're out not too... like you're not your hand isn't being held throughout the no, film, is it? God it's not no. like this is what this it, means. It's a it's a very open to your interpretation kind of film and stuff. So it's uh, you know you don't really find out much about the like the handler that she kind of has or mm. like the assistant she has. Um, you don't find out why she's doing what she's doing. I absolutely love, 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 love the scenes where she brings guys back to the house, though, and like, you know, I just know. the the unknown abyss that they go into, and it's it's yeah. It's Can you just... see what I mean when I was trying to describe like what she actually does with them? She almost yeah. like harvests their organs, which is what yeah. I was trying to say last time, because it's like, they, like she... they just it's like all their insides get sucked out, and they've yeah. got like a skin suit. Yeah, it just it leaves it leaves just the shell of them to, um, you know. That, and that's it and it's one of those things where you know it deals with a lot of it's like you said before there's bits when she's kind of questioning what she's doing mm. and she's starting to question her identity and like what you know what is she what is her purpose kind of you know all that kind of yep. thing but it's just i don't know it's um i think it i think the the, the fact that it's set in like glasgow and it's not like a it's not like LA or New York. Yeah, or, it just yeah. makes it bit feel a bit more real because there's settings and scenes and you know the bit when she's in that nightclub and stuff like that. It's yeah. it's it's closer to home. Though, yeah, it is. It's one of those. I think that's what makes it a bit more uncomfortable is the fact that like you can you can almost imagine it being in that setting kind of thing as well. But, I think uh, I think it's a film that has to sit with you a bit for uh, for you. I'll definitely kind watch of it again. A, yeah, to kind of. It's not one I think you come away from perhaps straight away going, yeah, that's amazing. I think it is, mm. it's just something different. I said to you, I think you're going to see something you've not seen before. And I think, do you think that's fair to say? Oh, yeah, massively. Yeah, because um, like, like I said, it's not, like I said, it's one of those films where it's not scary at all. It's no. not, it just, it it's just, more, it's, it's atmospheric, isn't it? I yeah. think it's probably best. And, you know, the bits when you think something's going to happen, nothing happens. And then the bits when you th- you know, it's just, it's that whole kind of thing of like, it's, oh God, oh God, this is going to be bad. Oh no, oh, okay. It, it's that, it's that edging, edging, edging. And then when something does, hor- you know, when horrible does happen or, you know, it's like, oh wow, that's literally out of nowhere kind of thing. So, Can I ask um, you a quick question? Did, did you at a point kind of forget you were watching Scarlett Johansson? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Because I, I thought after a while, it's like, no, she's, for me, she's one of her best performances. Yeah, I can't I say I've she, seen yeah. much films of her, like from a serious acting. I'm not saying serious actor, but you know, outside of like Marvel and like yeah. Lucy and action stuff like that she's been in. Um, but I think for here, it's like she really does come across as an alien. And yeah. and actually, do you think her accent's better in this, or is it still- oh, massively, massively. <laughs> like she, you know, it's not. Uh, like I said, it adds to the realism of it because it just kind of you don't feel like oh god this is an awful actress or yeah. not you know so or someone badly acting an English accent you know yeah thank God for the settings and stuff like that it makes yeah. it more real like her as a character and her as you know the interpretation of what she has and stuff like that adds to yeah just just adding to how kind of the real reality of it and that. Yeah. but uh, but no I really enjoyed it I, I do want to watch it again 
but it wouldn't. It, I don't think it'd make my top five still. Interesting. Okay. No, I'm glad you enjoyed it on, on some level at least. Then. Um, so, my film was to watch, go away and watch Philomena, um, <laughs> and I enjoyed it. I think it's good. good. Um, I think Steve Coogan is perfect in that role as yeah. the wants to be serious but can't help throw in a uh, you know a wind up a a, comment yeah, a in there a bit of a backhanded sight like sassy comment or something yeah or try and throw a joke in and it doesn't quite yeah. land or the people don't get it and he nails that awkward comedy really well yeah. but Judy Dench is great um i dare say i was thinking of other performances she's done that i've seen that that's outshone that but i think she comes across really well she nails the accent for a start which i think is yeah. a big thing um but yeah, a really good story. I think you said in the episode as well, you think you, you might know where it's going to go and it, it kind of doesn't go there. Now, I yeah. thought that was a nice surprise. I won't you know, spoil it in case people listening haven't haven't seen it. But um, yeah, I guess it was mad that it was a true story and um, you know that, that sort of thing happened is just devastating, really. And um, it happened to so many others as well. That's the horrible thing. It yeah, was like... it's almost like it reminded me it's not on the scale of something like Spotlight, but it's that sort of mm. thing, isn't it? It's a, you know, that, that cover up by the Catholic churches and that. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a double feature. It's not, a, it's not no. an uplifted double no. feature anyway, but um, I did like, it was like how they, uh, Coogan's character and Dench's character kind of bounced off each other about their religious beliefs. Cause she, after all of that, she's still very much yeah. religious and, and follows that. Whereas Coogan is just from the start, is pretty much an atheist, and yeah. he says, I think he even says, I don't believe in God, like very early in the film. So I thought that dynamic between them was quite good, and yeah, it's it's a really good film. I'm I'm I I almost wondered, uh, maybe very negatively beforehand, I thought it was just going to be kind of a TV film. That mm. makes sense, but no, I mean it's a BBC um, produced film, mm. but. It does hold up on its own. It's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great film. I, yeah, I'm glad you recommend that because I think that. Um, from that year it got lost for, for me at least got lost in the shuffle of other films that I was trying to oh, go and a see. Lot of big, that was a lot of big films though that year. Yeah, like, like we had like what, twelve years and Dallas Buyers and loads of stuff. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad that, Wall Street and yeah, yeah, I'm glad I got round to uh, to watch that. So well, I'm yeah. glad you enjoyed it. Okay, so we'll go on to 2001 then so i had a number one straight away for this the rest i've kind of struggled with and i've got i it was struggled more so to get my five non-honorable mentions down um but yeah i've got at least three five-star films which i'm looking forward to going to talk about but first let's get the negatives out the way uh i'll throw it to you first then so what are the the not so good films of 2001 before we get into everything i just would like to say that i think this potentially has the possibility of being maybe the most polarizing episode that we've done so far <laughs> i will leave it at that okay I, I, I are, just... are we is in are you gonna have you sabotaged this have you have no you no i've shit films i've no no i've purely gone on my you know my my favorites and you know okay. nostalgia and you know good films good uh but but i feel like this could be okay 
Okay, but, but looking forward here to we it. go. <laughs> okay, so uh, my three worst films from this year. First was um, a film called Cats and Dogs. <laughs> I've never actually saw this. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I remember mum taking us to go and see it during the summer holidays, and it was just, it was crap. It was like one of those films where even I knew I was like, this is shit. This is even like, for you know, twelve years old and still being like, nah, this is this is pretty shit it's basically this kid adopts a dog who's super intelligent and he's in he's actually at war with cats who are undercover spies and got this whole network and it was it had like toby Maguire and jeff goldblum it was one of those films was like big old famous you know voice and cast but yeah. just shit just yeah not not enjoyable in the slightest and even as a kid not enjoying it so that was that stood out for me um number two was jurassic park three Oh, okay. It's it's not. I, I love the Jurassic Park films, but I yeah. feel like this was this is by far the weakest of the original trilogy. Agreed. Um, it's got quite a decent story, I think. You know, with the whole um, you know the couple that whose son goes missing on the island, and you know, pulling back Doctor Grant and his research assistant, and you know they introduce. Uh, you know, they introduced dinosaurs that had not been there before, like the pterodactyls I thought was quite cool, and the spinosaur and stuff like that. But it's one of those things where it's just like, this didn't need to happen. Like, this wasn't needed. <laughs> like, the Lost World was the Lost World was brilliant, I thought, because, you know, it was that um, a whole new industry or a whole new corporation trying to do the theme park and bring it to LA, and you had the yeah. T-Rex stomping through the city and stuff like that, which was cool. But, yeah, I feel, I feel like this one was just kind of like... My, Kind of almost the same as the first one. You're on the island. You're being terrorised by the dinosaurs on the island. Yeah. I think okay. There's at least two funny bits in this, though, which is what oh, I, know. Yeah. I, I remember you... it up. It's the, the bit where, years ago, where... where, where uh, Sam Neill's character's on the sleep, asleep on the plane and he hears <laughs> Alan, Alan, and he turns <laughs> and it's a velociraptor <laughs> mouthing <laughs> Alan. And then the other bit that always makes me laugh is then, is, is uh, it no, it's Grant's character playing like the Velociraptor flute at the end. You know, oh, it's like right. yeah, he goes yeah. into it and it sounds like the, the Velociraptor. 3D, it's just it's, so dumb. He's got like a three D printed vocal flute yeah. thing, hasn't he? That he yeah, plays the, Velo- the Velociraptor's like yeah. nasal passage, and they just like run away. <laughs> it's just so dumb, but yeah, but yeah. So, so that one was like, it's not. I, I still, I'd still watch it, but it's just it's one that stood yeah. out because it was like, nah, this isn't needed. And then number three, we've ragged on this so many times before in other episodes, but it still deserves to be ragged on continuously going forward. It's the 2001 reboot version of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I I've put that in as well, and I, ne- we, don't, we don't have to never, spend... never tire kicking that. Like no, I knew that this would both be in ours because we've tore it to shreds on yeah. our tim burton episode uh, so yeah let's not let's not spend too much on yeah. it other than it's shocking um <laughs> so that was so that was one of mine so I, my other two was um the final fantasy movie which i oh, didn't okay. see first time round, and at this point was a big final fantasy video game fan oh um and i remember getting a bit of a buzz um, on its release because at the time its graphics were really good um, it's very dated now but yeah it's just not good it's, it just falls into that video game movie category that they just you know the games are really good but they just don't transition well onto the big screen and yeah it's just really forgettable to be honest 
And the other one I've put in, which is kind of so bad it's good in a way, is Jason X. Um, oh, which, okay, yeah. Which is... Um, uh, oh, was that 2001? Yeah, Jason wow. Voorhees in space, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. I'll always, I'll never forget, actually, the scene where possibly my favourite death scene in a film is, although I think they're actually computer-generated women, but <laughs> Jason Voorhees is in like this, like, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like a... Um, it's like a frozen prison thing, isn't it? Like an, it's like a um, cryogenic of, yeah. prison so, thing. Yeah, they, they do that, and then he gets like a new look, like a modern look. Oh yeah, his yeah, original yeah. hockey mask look. But before that, he he goes into like this like computer generated room. So he's like he's not in there, and then the sleeping he's, bags. Yeah, he's got the sleeping yeah. bags. <laughs> yeah. So these two girls like flirting with him, like "Hey, Jason," and then he cuts away. And cuts back to them, and he's got both of them in sleeping bags, and yeah. they're smashing them against each other, it's, and then hits um, one off a tree. It's just it's, it's it's like the fantasy room, isn't it? It's like the that's it, uh, kind of like the hollow deck from Star Trek, where it's like you go in and like you can live out your fantasies in a virtual reality setting, kind of thing. Yeah, it was just yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. just ridiculous. Again, you know, <laughs> those films know what they are. Um, yeah. It's similar to what we were saying about Freddy versus Jason before. They know what they are. It's ridiculous, but sometimes you kind of need a dumb, dumb horror film to uh, get you through the day. So yeah, those were were my three. So we'll go on to our top fives then. So I'll go first, okay. and my number five is actually one I watched for the first time only a couple of weeks ago. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and it just happened to be land when it was also, you know, we picked 2001 at random. So uh, my number five is Japanese horror film called Pulse. Have you ever heard of Pulse? Did they remake it? Yeah, the Americans did the classic thing of remaking a Japanese horror film. Was it done by... Um, God, the drive guy, what's his name? Uh, no, no. no. You're thinking of Pusher, I think. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, but um, Pulse did get an American remake, very much like The Grudge and The Ring. In that sort of, uh, you know, there was a there was a influx of J horror films that were just getting done to a, a American audience. Um, but I think the reason why I've put this in relatively high, um, and after watching it relatively recently, is not to sound like I'm bragging, but I watch a lot of horror films, and I feel like I'm quite desensitized to them mm, but so this one hits you. yeah so so this one really freaked me out really it's not it's not the tradition of current horror films where it's like quiet and then it's a loud noise and that's how it scares you this is all atmospheric and creepy it's it's more the fact that they don't cut away which is freaky or there's things in the background that you, you know, that slowly come to the forefront and it's just, it's unsettling. It's a, it's a mood in the film that's really the, that's the scary part rather than, you know, being jump, making you jump. Um, basically it's a weird one. And it's actually one that it hits slightly differently. Now we're in lockdown and obviously we're coming out of that, but basically kind of take the principle of, the ring where it's a video a vhs tape this is all to do with the uh, birth of the internet so obviously 2001 the internet wasn't as big a thing as it is now and i think that's kind of what the crux of this film is about it's dealing with that this this um 
anxiety or anxiousness of this new thing coming into people's lives and what it does is basically there's this website where uh that it pops up on people's screens very much like the video in in the ring where it pops up mm. you know the uh on on their screens um but what it will show is just like these silhouetted figures who are who are ghosts basically on screen but as you kind of figure out through the film um and what happens is the people who've watched it then become sort of really like reclused and isolated and they don't turn up to work and that people are worried about them and they go check up on them so this is uh, this is effect of this internet and it, it really hit home because obviously that's kind of where we are now. It's like we're working from home. We're isolated. And I was like, that in itself is We get really... stuck on the internet. We go, yeah. on, you, you go on YouTube rabbit holes. and Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. but, but think back. This is only 2001. So there's yeah. nowhere near the level of internet usage we have now. Or the now. access or the ease of access exactly. that is that. Yeah. So it's almost like predicting its nature and where it's going to go. And now, like, what, 20 years later, it, it feels more relevant now than it did ever back then. I mean, they're always, they're using, like, floppy disks and stuff like that. So, you know, it's dated in that sense. But is its overall story and what it's kind of trying to say um, really hit home more now than it ever has before. So, yeah. I think, I, I feel like sometimes films are better watched or appreciated much after they've been made, especially mm. films where it's set in a future setting. Because if that, if any of that element does come true, it makes it almost more real and you appreciate it more. It's like we said in the last episode about her. Mm. Yeah. That film is, you know, that film's seven, eight years old. And it talks about how, you know, artificial intelligence and kind of, you know, almost like the Alexa things we have now and Siri, yeah. how, you know, how much they're taking over people's lives. And at the time it was like, that's a bit weird. Like, you know, fast forward and it's a thing. Like people have Alexas in their house. They have, you know, smart technology all around their house, voice activated things that you can talk to and yep. Google home and all that stuff. And it's like, oh my God, that was a thing. Like this is, this is an actual thing now it's we're living yeah. in it and it um that's yeah that's pretty cool though like you said about you know if you watch something so much you become desensitized to it but if it still makes you feel something it stands oh, out mate like i said is it it's not there's nothing like gruesome about it it's very much a ghost story and i always think when people say ghost story it sounds a bit lame but it is a ghost story but it really freaked me out there's a particular scene which i won't say because if you do decide to watch it it's, you'll know about it once it's once yeah. it's happened, um, but it's just so unsettling, and I haven't felt that in a film for a while. So that's why I had to kind of talk. I wanted to talk about it today, so I've put that in as my uh, as my number five. Nice. So I'll throw it back to you for your number five. So uh, kind of on that same level of um, you know weird settings and themes and all that stuff. Um, I feel like this, I feel like this is going to be in your list, but it's going to be much higher. But my number five is Donnie Darko. Oh, okay. Interesting. Is this on your list? It is. I'll, I'll say where okay. after you've okay. done your spiel. Okay. okay. Uh, so I'm not going to even pretend to uh, completely understand this film. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of stuff in this film that, um there's a lot of themes around time travel and you know fate and uh, you know the consequences of our actions about all these kind of different things that go into this film but 
Uh, I remember watching this a very, very long time ago and just kind of almost being instantly mesmerized, but just like not really understanding necessarily what's going on, but just, just, you know, the, the character itself, Donnie, you know, Donnie played by Jake Gyllenhaal, he just never, you know, there's all this stuff going on in his life, uh, you know, near death experiences. Um, you know, he's obviously, he's having imaginary friends that tell him to do things and he just, it just, I don't know. He still feels like such a normal guy, mm. which I think makes it that bit more of an unsettling film is the fact that he's not like cracking under the pressure or, you know, he's, he's actually still quite a normal guy, which is, you know, which kind of adds to the, the, um, not so much uncomfortability about the film, but just kind of like the, um, I don't know, the, the eeriness about the film kind of thing that, you know, the setting as well. And it's, I love, I love when films do this because it's, it's set in the late eighties and it's kind of, you know, in this like very nice community within, uh, I, th I think it's in, I can't remember oh, which state it is in now. Uh, it's almost like that setting, like the Halloween films, isn't it? Like yeah, I think it's, open I think roads it's like, and yeah, I think it's like upstate suburbia. Yeah. I think it's like upstate New York or something, but it's always like, it's this perfect setting. You've got these nice big houses, picket fences. And I think that always makes, horror films or science fiction films or you know films like that that bit more uneasy when it's like you're supposed to have this like environment that's quite nice and you know every or you know everybody lives really well in these lovely houses but actually under the surface there's these horrible things going on um but yeah it's just such a you know the we you know we talked about the score a little while ago mm -hmm. um the particular track that um obviously one of your favorites it's play. I, I rewatched this the other day, in fact, and it was, you know, it plays at the key moments when, like, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but when Donnie really kicks in with his kind of like all guns blazing comments, his tirades, and, like and stuff, yeah, his yeah. tirades, and like his the moments when you know he really doesn't kind of give a shit about what he says to people, stuff like that. It, it, and it adds to the the sort of it. I think I think the thing that gets me about the film is that I almost like rewatching it recently i kind of feel like he knows what's going on mm, because of the yeah. because of the because of the, it's one of those films where every time you watch it there's a different realization or a different kind of theory behind it and i almost feel like rewatching it recently i think he knows what's going to happen and because of the time travel element of it i think almost that he's maybe been where he is before and he's kind of almost doing that groundhog day kind of thing of like I'll say whatever the hell I want and do what the hell I want because I'm going to be back or, you know, or time's going to, time is, time is a, you know, nothing to me and stuff like that. And it will just all happen again. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those films that just kind of stuck with me. And, you know, it's like I said, there's a lot of things that it explores and it just, it, you know, you have to rewatch it to, to appreciate it a couple of times. And like yeah. I said, to kind of work it out, but um but yeah, I think it's, you know, it's one of those films that was underappreciated in its time. It's become a bit of a cult classic. Um, it's got a great soundtrack. Ooh, set, yeah, you know, brilliant soundtrack. Set, you know, I, I forget sometimes it's late 80s and it's obviously got the, the soundtrack to match it. But um, but yeah, I think it's just a, yeah, it's just one of those films that kind of sticks with you. And, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, it's a very straightforward story, but it, it's, it's nice in that sense because it leaves it to the interpretation, all the different kind of things that it could be or could yeah. mean definitely um so i've sat patiently quiet as you 
talk about your number five film, which is my number one film. No, which we really? All, we always have this. Like, you're, you're like, yeah, it's okay. And I'm like seething, like, up. this is a fucking masterpiece. Um, yeah, oh, I, I, uh, I absolutely love this film. It's a masterpiece for me. It's in my top ten films of all time. Um, you know, I've said before on the podcast... I, <laughs> So yeah, sorry, you this, did, yeah, sorry, you sit this, there while you laugh, mate. Go on. Sorry, mate. This is why this is going to be such a polarizing list. Like... I knew, it, but that's fine. <laughs> it makes for good listening. Hopefully, hopefully it does. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've said before, like I don't watch films, I repeat viewings that often. Mm. I feel like I, for gen, for generally speaking, for most films, if I've seen it, I'll I'll have my stance on it, and that's that. I watch this film once or twice every year. I watch it. It's probably one of my most watched films because of the, some of the reasons you've said, really. There's so much more to read into it. There's so many theories out there online that you can read up on and then it makes you want to watch it again to see if you agree or disagree with that theory. Like you said about the time travel piece. Has he been there before? Does he see the future? Um, you know, Is that why he's gone back in time to... Actually, I won't say. I won't spoil it in case people are listening don't know yeah. what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, you know, we have we kind of skipped around the plot, but he's kind of yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal's the centerpiece in this central character, who's kind of a troubled teenager who basically has visions of a bunny rabbit called Frank. And uh, I'll kind of leave it at that. I think it's as weird as it needs to be. Um, I I love I it. Even that, though, even the imaginary friend he has, yeah, he's dressed as a rabbit, but it's a pretty unsettling, yeah. horrible version of a rabbit as well. I think that's yeah. what, you know, it's 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 an imaginary friend, but it's not an imaginary friend that you would want to imagine. <laughs> to be honest, mate, I thought, as you're a big wrestling fan, because someone dresses up as Hulk Hogan in this film yeah. for Halloween, I thought it'd be a bit higher, so a bit disappointed. Um, I always forget Seth Rogen is like the bully's like little henchman guy as well. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. but, like uh, early. Do you role. know? Do you know the whole story about um, while they were filming it? So it t- it took they they filmed the whole film in twenty eight days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because obviously it's set over twenty eight days, but there was a whole thing where um, the studio were like, I don't think people are going to believe the whole parts of a plane falling off a plane because it doesn't happen it's not a thing mm-hmm. and during filming i think it was somewhere in colorado or something a, f- uh, a piece of an engine fell off and landed in someone's neighborhood and they were like sorry you were saying you like, <laughs> yeah you were saying like, but it was one of those weird weird things where it's like yeah this hardly ever happens like i don't think people are going to believe that this is a thing and it's like it just happened. Yeah, so, it's one of those weird coincidences, isn't yeah. it? Do you want to let us carry on making this? Or exactly, uh, yeah, I, it's great. It's a shame because the director Richard Kelly hasn't really done well. I've not seen any of his films. He's done the film called The Box, which is a relatively bad horror film. Oh, that was awful. Yeah, and With he's Cameron also Diaz. that's it. And he's also that's done Southland Tales, which I haven't seen, but it's got The Rock in it. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh... I know, you, yeah, I know, I know all of it. I've never seen it, but the yeah. box, the box is awful. Yeah, the box like, is terrible. Really bad. Which is a shame because, like I said, I think I've got really fond memories of this film. Sort of watching it first time round. I remember watching it around a friend's house, and this was at a time where, like, you, know, I think DVD was relatively new, and like, you know, when it would be like before streaming, obviously, and it'd be like, oh, I've got this film. It's a bit weird. Should we watch it? 
And again, like you, first viewing, like, what is this? But there's something about it that's really intriguing. So I think you said it's mesmerising, which I think is a perfect way of describing it. It's just the soundtrack, like the, you've got its own score as well, which is a really jarring, unsettling soundtrack, which on as its own thing, I love as well. I listen to it quite a lot, which I know is very, very weird, but I, I love that. And then you've obviously got the pop soundtrack to it. You know, you've got Echo and the Bunny Men and uh, Tears for Fears, and there's some just really good stuff on it. Um, we forget as well, obviously Patrick Swayze is in this. Yeah. He plays a complete creep, but he does it really well, and he's really good in this as well. Um, and the, the thing about it is as well it's one of those films where Donnie's doing terrible things but in comparison to what he's like the people in in his life yeah then you know I, I forgot how much I, I can't stand Miss Farmer she's just uh, I'll tell you it, what he said yeah <laughs> love that bit. He, he, he told him to forcibly insert the exercise book into my anus <laughs> And the dad just, just cracks up. Like, mm. Oh, it just, it's just, you know, and it's, again, I love it when it's kind of like, it's one of those films where it's like, yeah, this guy isn't perfect, but you know what? There's much, much worse characters but in this the, film as well. The, like, We won't spend too much time on this one because I know we've got to get to the others, but I mean, it's my number one, so I have to, I have yeah, to gush, I have to gush over it. Gush it, but, gush um, it, it's your number one. But he's almost like, he's like a very much, like a, a vigilante almost, like a caped crusader yeah. because he's, as he's being, I say, quote, in quote marks, possessed, because he kind of goes onto this like stupor, doesn't he? When he's he sees Frank and has these visions, he's he's actually, you know, picking people out, and uh, you know he gets caught up with the. I think he floods the school, doesn't he? Yeah. And it leads it it leads to Patrick Swayze's character getting found out and stuff like that. Yeah. All these things get found out and because of things he's doing. And that's why you could, like I said, you know, rewatching it, there's different things you kind of pick up on. And like, like I said, is it almost like, because it obviously very, very much deals with time travel. Like, does he know what's going on? Does he, you know, it's, it's, it's your own interpretation kind of thing, but it's definitely one of those films where you can watch it time and time again, theorize it, yeah. look into it. Notice there's, there's this whole piece yeah. about like grandma death as well, because she whispers something in his ear. Um, and there's all these different things about who she is and her backstory that yeah. I've read up on, not recently, but before. And it's just like a whole, it, you're right it as well. You see the film different. Exactly. It's, you're right. It's, I, this is a perfect example of a cult classic as well, in the sense of, for me, what a cult classic film really represents is a film on release that doesn't necessarily do well, but over the years has just built up a massive fan base. And you can only sort of Google uh, image some of the artwork that people have done for Donnie Darker. There's so much stuff out there that it's obviously, mm. it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what hits home with people, but it does with a lot of people. Um, and maybe it's just that time in, in your life, that that period of, you know, teenager and you don't, you know, what, what things are changing and, you, you know, all that sort of outlook and stuff, I think maybe hits, resonates with a lot of people. Perhaps it's that, but... I, I don't know. It's really unique. I, I think it's just really original and it does elements of, I don't know if you've heard this film called Harvey, which is a J, old James Stewart film, sort of in the fifties. With I think. a giant rabbit. Yeah. And he has an imaginary yeah. giant rabbit, which you don't see like you do in this, but it harks back to films like that, which is Harvey's a love, another film I, I love as well. Um, there's just so much going on and I, I'll, I'll put my hand up as well. I don't fully know what's going on, but that is, 
almost the draw rather than a setback to go back and watch this film over and over and over again. And I've even got the the Blu-ray, I've got an Arrow video Blu-ray copy where they've got a director's cut as well, which isn't as, I mean, the original cut is much better. Mm. The director's cut is is cool in what it does with it. And, you know, it's as, as a super fan, it's like you can see it in a different light and appreciate it for that, uh, for those things as well. But the original cut is the one to, to go for. Um, yeah, love it. Um, gutted it's your number five, but whatever, <laughs> we'll move on. Um, so that was your number five. So that's back to me for my number four. So my number four is a massive change in tone and it is actually only a film I've only seen once. Uh, but I feel it's one I want to talk about if only to talk myself into watching it again because I do own this film. Um, it's a French film called Amelie. Have you heard of Amelie? No, I'm, yeah, I'm not I'm very much so, but never watched it. So it, it's a brilliant film. I think I mentioned the director before, and I don't know how to pronounce his surname properly, but it's Jean-Pierre Jeunette. Smith. Jeunette, <laughs> Smith. I think. Um, I mentioned about City of Lost Children before. Mm. Um, he's just got a very distinctive um, auteur style, I guess, um, that you can you can really recognise. I think the downside of his films, he's also done um, Alien Resurrection, which is crap, but we won't talk about that. But this is his seminal masterpiece for me. It's got Audrey Tuteau in it, who I think is probably best known for something like outside of this, for something like, I think she's in uh, Da Vinci Code, who's yes. Tom Hanks' uh, yes. like sidekick assistant yeah. person. But Amelie is brilliant. It's, it's, it's a really heartwarming story which i don't i watch i don't tend to watch these sorts of films but i think this was one that um i watched in college and my tutor mike uh, would have uh, shown this and i just absolutely fell in love with it um so it's set in paris and basically amelie his this has this kind of accidental gift of helping other people and and with various other things that they're going through and she's just an all-round nice person. <laughs> um, it's just a really happy film. And I think during lockdown, this is almost... I know we're you yeah, know, you coming out of it. it now, but I think this is the uplifting film that that people need or you need to, to watch. And I think it is, it's good fun. It's very funny. Um, I haven't seen it for a long time, but it really held up for me as just, just a standout film. And this, again, I think like a lot of films, this was the my way into this particular director. And then once you love a particular film of theirs, you find that you just, you know, off and away and checking out all their other film filmography. So other films he's done, he's like Delicatessen, which you may have heard of as well. But it's mm. that very similar style that is very hard to perhaps describe, but it's a very quirky, but upbeat, almost childlike, but not, not in a, in a, offensive way or I don't mean that in a bad way but more like an innocence I think mm. uh, that comes across really well um, it's really good and it's all, it's a love story as well which it's not soppy it's a good it's a good fun watch and I as I'm talking about it, I'm like I, I really wish I'd watched this again in prep for this but I, I really wanted to, to to talk about it today so uh, yeah that's my number four uh, for now Okay. Uh, what is your number four? So talking about quirky and, you know, variety of characters and, uh, you know, just happy films in general. Mm. 
My number four is Wes Anderson's The Royal Tenenbaums. Nice. <laughs> I love Wes Anderson films. I think they're just, they're all, I think, I don't think it's much of a hot take to say they're all very similar. But if that's because of his style of filmmaking and yeah. obviously storytelling. There's always quirky characters. There's always quite a quirky setting. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, um, they are qu- they're, they're quite happy, nice films to watch, to be fair. I don't think there's ever kind of any, there's, you know, there's always some upsetting settings or sorry, you know, uh, things to deal with sometimes. But I don't think it's, it's the overarching element of the, the, the films and stuff like that. But um the Royal Tenenbaums, you know, I, I think what I love about Wes Anderson films is he's one of the few directors that, that can have one of these big main casts and it works so well. Like, you know, there's so so too often now that there's films where it's like, oh, my God, have you seen the cast? It's like, yeah, have you seen the film? Like, it's shit. Like, it's, you know, it, it's you, you can't you can't just hang your, your, your coat on the fact that, oh, it's got this big name and this big name. It's like, yeah, if it's it was a crap film though. who cares who's in it but you know time after time i think he's really good at just having such a cavalcade of different you know big big names and just it just works stuff like that it, it's not like the main pulling focus of it because the story is great um i love the royal tenenbaums because it's you know uh it's gene hackman plays royal tenenbaums and he's got uh this family of prodigy children you know ben stiller yeah. uh gwyneth paltrow and uh, luke wilson you know they've all got their their talents you know they've all got their um their quirks know. yeah absolutely you know and he's, he's got this very nice house and he hasn't you know he's he's estranged from them because of you know his dealings and stuff like that and it's just uh you know he's his ex-wife or you know his separated wife she's looking to marry a new man and he's trying to win her back and it's just it's 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 um yeah it's just it's just a funny it's a funny story and it's got obviously it's classic Wes Anderson where it's got obviously the main story but it's always got the little side stories that are going on as well that you know that interact with the actual main story as well um I love it's I love the fact that again this is what Wes Anderson films do there's such uh the side stories are just as interesting as the the main one and I absolutely love Bill Murray's character in this who's (laughs) who's um Gwyneth Paltrow's husband and he's a, a therapist who's who's writing a book on a kid called Dudley who like has this rare condition that like it's just he's he's like colorblind but re- he's got he's like colorblind almost uh, kind of autistic but he's also got really good hearing and there's just a bit when he's like he makes him like create this image out of building blocks and he wants him to match his and his looks completely different he's like yep there you go I'm done and he's he's like describing his symptoms and like this kid is in like the other room down the corridor. He's like, wait, I'm colorblind. He's like, <laughs> he has really good hearing as well. Like it's just it's just little little stupid things like that. It's just yeah. it's um, you know, it, it's just brilliant. But like, um, but yeah, and you've got Owen Wilson as well. You've got uh, you as Eli Cash, and he's he's kind of like the uh, the kid that was wanted to be part of the family. And he's always around, and you know, yeah. always staying at the house, stuff like that. And he's in love with Gwyneth Paltrow and. It's yeah, it's just one of those sweet little West Anders West Anders film that's you know it's um yeah it's just it's just a not it's just a nice film to it's watch stuff like that it's yeah it's it's you know I keep saying it but it's very quirky and all the different kind of characters and all the different settings and stuff like that and it's just um again just a not just a nice happy film to watch. I um 
this feeds in well because this is my next one as number three, uh, which is Tenenbaums as well. Um, I won't speak too much of it because we uh, I covered this in my uh, Wes Anderson episode I did with Laura, and this was my number one. Um, I think this is another five star, ten out of ten masterpiece film, and it's obviously when for me Anderson's best film. Um, forget as well that this is only his third film after mm. Bottle Rocket and Rushmore, which uh, Rushmore again is brilliant. Um, but yeah, he just seems to by this point have nailed down his style and his aesthetic. And like you said, can is an sorry is a director who can bring in these heavy hitting actors and actresses and these big names, but utilizes them all. And I think mm. they all had they all stand out for their own unique reasons in this film. They're not there. They're not there. It doesn't feel like these films that Wes Anderson does. They're not there. Um, just for the paycheck they're there because they're interested in the script they you know they they want to be there these actors and actresses that's the feeling i get coming coming across through his films um yeah i mean you mentioned obviously that this is a, a relatively you know upbeat and funny film but obviously we've got to talk about quickly the shaving scene which is yeah, the big God. sort of plummet down in that mood, actually makes it? you feel a little bit uncomfortable and stuff like that but it's, it's yeah i guess it's supposed to because it's one of those things where it's quite, like I said, it's quite a nice story, and sometimes it does have some un- unsetting to things yeah, to deal with. Yeah, definitely, that. it is. It brings the mood down massively. Yeah. But what Wes Anderson does masterfully well is like just after that, it's like there's comic relief straight away. Because yeah. I think it's uh, Gwyneth Paltrow says something like, "Where is he?" and Dudley's like, "Who are you talking about?" I was like, "Who else could it be? Like, we're <laughs> in a hospital. Who's it going to be?" Um, I, it's like, I love it when he's in the hospital and they're like, "Why did you do it?" Why did you try to kill yourself? He's like, I wrote a suicide note. It's like, oh, we haven't read it. It's like, oh, it's like, is it is it dark? Is it bleak? It's like, well, yeah, it's a suicide note. <laughs> of course, it's like, of course, it's going to be bleak and dark. But like, it's it's the um, what is it? The uh, the bit when he's obviously like, I love Gwyneth Paltrow's character Margot's story because it's like she she goes missing like all different times in her life, and then it has like flashbacks of where she was and. You know, just all all her, all her secretive life that she's led in that. I love the um, I love the montage with the Ramones track where she's like <laughs> yeah, kissing loads of yeah. different guys. All all the men she's been with in that. Yeah, yeah, it's just so good. But yeah, it's. I think. Yeah, I would say this is a good entry point for. I mean, it is the, for me the pinnacle of Wes Anderson's work, but this was my entry point as well for his films. Um, I remember. I think I said on that episode that I didn't necessarily love it as much as I did the first uh, sorry I, I loved it more watching it again recently not so much the first time round um, but yeah it's definitely yeah it's one to watch you definitely gotta watch it if only for its quirky style and if you haven't seen Wes Anderson film then I would recommend putting this one on first are you a fan of anime manga comic book art and everything in between or perhaps know somebody who is then make sure to check out the work from Instagram artist NoopsDS on teespring.com where you can purchase some incredible artwork on t-shirts, mugs, stickers, phone cases and much more. Personally, I've bought the t-shirt with the Spider-Man print in black which looks fantastic and is a perfect fit. Various different colours are available and shipping is worldwide. To find out more, head on over to teespring.com forward slash doors forward slash NoopsDS that's N-O-O-P-S-D-S. And check out all the incredible work on Instagram 
at noobsds. Links are also available in the episode description. So yeah, good shout. So that was your number four and my number three. So I'll throw that back to you for your number three. So this, I actually thought this was going to be your number one. Okay. So my number three is Spirited Away. Oh, okay. I love this film. And I, I don't know why. I, I, had, I had a feeling you hadn't seen it. So I'm really glad no, to, I love I'm this. Eager love to hear this. what you say. So I rewatched this again recently, funny enough. Um, and it's just beautiful. It's just such a beautiful film. Like there's one bit when, so uh, to kind of give a rundown of the story, um, this girl and her parents enter this enchanted world where it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a resort for spirits. And it's ran by this witch who punishes people who are lazy. And, you know, ultimately she takes away the, the young girl's parents um and she's she's forced to basically work to try and win them back basically um but there's a bit when like she gets uh there's a there's a there's a guy that works in this resort as well that helps her and kind of guides her in a way and there's a part when he says like would you like to go and see your parents you know and he takes her to where they're being kept and there's this bit when she's almost like running through like a flowery mm. um forest it's like or shrubbery field. stuff isn't it yeah and it's just beautiful because it's almost like two different types of animation at the same time, but it's so that you all the all the flowers are so vibrant and like I don't know it's, it's so again it's it's kind of what we said about under the skin uh, under the skin it's it's such a visually beautiful film. There's bits in it that just kind of like just like magnetise you just how amazing it is and stuff. But I think it's one of those you know I think what I love about it is just there's such a massive diverse um like all different all the different spirits and characters and creatures that are in this film you just there's always like kind of like you never know what's going to happen next and you know the i don't know it's, it's just you know the, the place this resort where it is stuff like that it's um you know it's quite a beautiful place and it's run by like i said this this evil witch who ultimately will turn lazy people into you know animals um but you know there's this ocean that covers them between them and the the various cities that are set in this film and i don't know why i've always loved the the train that travels through uh the water for some Me reason too. like it's, it's it's such a cool little thing and like there's a bit when she she rides the train to another town and like everybody that gets in on, on off is just a ghost of people and it's just but they're like they're almost going to their work and they're going to the jobs and stuff like that. And they're just normal. They're just the spirits of normal people. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a visually beautiful film. The, the, the score on it is absolutely brilliant as well. It's, it's a very, for what, for what starts off quite, a, uh, quite an unsettling and quite a, uh, I don't know, quite a scary situation that you're a young girl having her parents taken away in this unknown land. It is quite happy, quite a cheerful kind of film. Um, yeah. The kind of I don't know if I don't necessarily say if he's a villain. He's kind of a I don't know. He's a bit of an unknown. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of characters in this film that you're never really quite sure if they're a bad guy or they're not. They're just they're always kind of underlining a bit weird, but actually they're okay or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. But but No Face has to be one of the most like creepiest things ever. 100%. Like yeah, like it's just 
Um, Especially when he turns into different forms, like later yeah. on, when it's his just, greed it's just takes whole, like, over. But like you know, it, it, you know, you don't really know what he is at first. Is, is he just another spirit that wants to be that wants to be part of this resort? Who you know, he's a paying customer. Um, but then, obviously, I'm not going to ruin it for people what he transpires into being and just how much it escalates in that. It just, um, yeah, it just, uh, yeah, very, very unsettling character. But yeah, it's just that, you know, it's a it's a lovely film. It's another um, Hiyo Miyazaki Studio Ghibli film. And it just, yeah, it's just one of those, you know, lovely films. It's it's nothing you've seen before. And it mm. just, yeah, it's it's very unusual settings and unusual characters but it just adds to just how magical and how kind of unreal this this whole this whole world that she finds herself in. Uh, yeah. Question: Is this the first? Was this the first uh, Studio Ghibli film you saw? No, the first. <laughs> it was not Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah, it was. Oh, God. It was. Oh yeah, it was. That was the first one I ever saw, and it was like, oh God, are they all like this? Like, if yeah. they're all like this, I can't. I can I tell you why. It was because it was. It was. Um, uh film four had like a celebration um i think it was like yeah they did they did a like a couple of years ago i want to say like three four years ago yeah they did all of the films yeah and like uh, so i recorded them all because the thing is this is me sound like a right tight world right now they're really (laughs) expensive to buy on dvd for some reason they've never like the you know uh the studio jimmy films they're not cheap to buy and they're hardly like they're very hard to find on like but, well Prime that's and well that's why the netflix well. acquisition um, is so big oh yeah yeah and that's uh, well so i watched it recently again on netflix funny enough but like uh i wanted to watch these for years but yeah they're just so damn expensive so when they have the celebration on film four i literally like recorded them all um it, yeah it just happened to be the first one that i watched was gray of the fireflies which was like and it just kind of was like oh shit i've recorded like a lot of these now and they're going to be like it's just just as heartbreaking as this so it's nice to have this you know quite uplifting but um but yeah it's just like i said there's a lot of th- there's a lot of things that are just very unexpected but but yeah like i said i i don't know why i just love the the train that travels throughout the 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 ocean and you know t- goes from city to city there's, some, there's something again there's something magical about it the fact that this train traveling in the ocean but it, again it feels so normal as well because it's mm-hmm. it's you know, it's not like a, it's not like a magical train. It looks like any other train that you'd get from, you know, from city to city. But it's just the fact that it's set on a track that goes from city to city in the ocean is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I, for some reason, I had a feeling you hadn't seen this, so I'm glad that you have. Um, this feeds in very nicely to my uh, second film, my number two uh, spot. Um, because yeah, I mean, it had to be in here for me. Um, I mean, if obviously we have to put it in the top five, but Tenenbaums, this, and Donnie Darko are all for me five star films, so they're all in level pegging in my eyes. But Spirited Away was my first Studio Ghibli film, and again, shout out to Mike who showed this to us at college, um, because it just blew me away. Because I mean, we've obviously grown up with Disney being our go-to mm. animation powerhouse studio um and before then i wasn't aware of um you know studio ghibli japanese animation or anime to that level of uh, to that degree really 
Um, so it just opened the doors to see, like, oh, holy shit, this is incredible. Like, what else is out there? And go and watching some other films like um, uh, Neighbor Totoro and, mm. you know, other upbeat ones, or the downbeat ones like Grave of the Fireflies. Or I've, I've now got to a point where I've seen all of the Ghibli films and it's great that there are such a, a nice mixed bag of what you're in for. There are the, the sort of more downbeat ones and you've got the really family friendly ones and they've got sort of different animation styles in there. I mentioned on the last on the episode for 2013 princess kagoya again another really good animation uh, by that same studio different director i think this was um Miyazaki obviously did spirited away um it's uh, takahata i think did uh kagoya and grave of the fireflies um but there's such a great and i, I, I just urge people to watch them because for me they are just as good, if not maybe slightly better than Disney in their consistency. I think, I think this is one of these things where this is like, uh, this is almost like Pan's Labyrinth in the sense that like, it's like a grown-up fairy tale. And this is like, for me, almost like a grown-up Disney film in the sense that it's got a young girl in a magical land. But the like I said, the characters on this are like pretty, pretty out there and pretty... Yeah. in some cases pretty terrifying and stuff like that more so than you would in your kind of classic disney villains and you know it's almost i always see this as a studio ghibli's take on the alice in wonderland story yeah you know yeah, you've got the long, you've got the young girl who you know doesn't fall down the rabbit hole but goes to you know a magical world and is a an evil witch in this case rather than a queen and there's a lot of similarities in there which i imagine are intentional to a degree but they've also got this Japanese folklore elements to it or Japanese, yeah, just Japanese elements that they've, they've brought into the story or the design of some of the characters. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's such a magical film. There is all the character designs are just brilliant. I always like the, I don't know what they call that. The soot, the soot monsters that carry yeah, all yeah, the yeah. like coal the, to the fire. Yeah. And, and you're the frog, brilliant. like the frog, you're all the frogmen. Um, yeah. you've got you know like, you know like I said some of the spirits that turn up to the resort uh, I think that's quite you know I think that's what I love about the fact as well it's like it's not this like I don't know it's not this like magical palace where they live no it's it's a it's a resort for it's spirits a spa, it's, it's basically a, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a spa for all these mag you know all these spirits from different you know folklore and you know different worlds and stuff like that it's it's and then there's a business it's you know it's, it's what how they run it but um, but yeah, it's, again, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but like, it's one of those films where it's just like, this is so weird and like so out of this, like, what could come next? And there's yeah. something all peeing, you're like, hmm, okay, like, <laughs> so that's what's next. Like, yeah, it's just so creative. Some of the stuff is just like, so creative. Yeah. Um, like, I I think it is again, like we just said for Tenenbaums. I think this is another gateway film into yeah, oh, gotcha. into into Ghibli. So I would suggest going in with this one first and if you embrace it then check out the whole thing on net the whole series of films on netflix i think all of them are on there still except fireflies which for some reason has got a um, yeah fireflies isn't on there because they probably got an outrage of people with letters <laughs> tear soaked letters from people because yeah. so i've so i I've, I've seen like how's moving castle i've seen um my neighbor Totoro. i've seen uh, quite a few of them the only ones that really stand out are this because of just how lovely it is. And it's like the first kind of happy one I've seen, like I said, because of just how 
like I said, just how beautiful it is, just how yeah. like visually brilliant it is. Um, and like I said, I love I love the mix of familiar settings and like just a really obscure setting as well. And the other one that stands out for me is Fireflies, but only because it absolutely broke me and like it just sticks with you because it's not in a nice way. It's just because of just how heartbreaking yeah, that mate. film was. Just that is oh, tough. Mate, that properly roundhouse kicked me. <laughs> Ooh. Good. I think yeah, this is probably watch Fireflies then Spirited Away because it's a bit more uplifting perhaps towards the end. Uh, yeah, if you if you ever having a shit day, anyone watch Spirited Away. If you're yeah. having a good day and you want to bring yourself down a notch, <laughs> watch Fireflies. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So so that was your number three and my number two. So that's all mine done now. So okay. I'll give it back to you for your number two and then follow so, on with your number one. My number two is Monsters, Inc. Nice. Just nice. let that sit with you for a minute. But <laughs> I, uh, you know, we talked a length before. I, you know, I absolutely love the Pixar films. I think they, you know, they absolutely smash it out of the park, you know, time after time in most cases. This is still in those early days when, like, you know, they weren't effortlessly trying to break you and, you know, rip you apart anytime you went to go see a film or you know how 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 do we make the audience have an existential crisis in our film like this is yeah. when it was quite quite nice film you know there was still some quite you know sad themes and stuff like that but not to the point where it's like oh good i'm just gonna go home and cry now and think about <laughs> that thing um but for the you know for those who may have not seen it uh you know it's the idea that the monsters that you know you have in your you know that terrorize you as a kid they're actually a business that, you know, their, their whole city that they live in is powered by children's screams. And you have these elite monsters who will travel through these, you know, these doors, these like, you know, teleport or you know, portals through kids' bedroom yeah. doors um, with the idea of, you know, scaring kids because their screams power their city. Um, they can't let children touch them because they are supposedly poisonous or toxic to the monsters and ultimately one of the children makes it into their city and there's you know this whole you know thing that falls apart um but yeah you know again it was in those early days of of pixar films where you just kind of enjoy it for what it was and stuff like that and again uh a bit like a bit like spirited away just the cow you know the the, just the massive diversity of different characters you've got and different monsters you know design stuff like that and you know it's it's funny how a film about monsters and scaring kids all these monsters are actually quite lovable characters and they've all, you know they are i think the funny thing about it is at the end of the day scaring kids is just a job it's not like they're yeah. like terrorizing children for, for the hell of it it's because it's their job you know and it's they're normal guys you know they've got a, their nine to five job is is going into kids rooms and scaring them and they've got you know paperwork to file and they've got yeah, you know, restaurants that. and you know all just all you know at the end of the day it's it's just part of this you know this this city and stuff like that i think that was quite nice the fact that it was kind of um demonsterizing the monsters if you, if you will <laughs> yeah kind of, yeah nice it just it, it, it just puts them into a new light where it's like yeah they're not scaring you because they want to scare you it's because they, they need to survive they're doing it to survive they're doing it to, and, to and that's a great kids. thing for for kids to see as well isn't it because kids at that age you might be scared of monsters to see mm. them in a film that they're watching that's that's like relatively light-hearted to see they're actually yeah. the monsters are actually scared of you as the kids and that's kind of a good yeah. way of to get yeah, around that issue yeah, and that's the thing, you know, the, the monsters are just as scared as you because they've been 
fed into their minds that you know kids are toxic you can't let them touch you because they're poisonous and you know there's some funny scenes where this one particular monster unfortunately keeps getting framed for being touched you know being touched <laughs> by one of the kids and like you know he's infected and he keeps getting you know deloused and uh, by these you know the, the the monsters in these these hazmat suits um but yeah like i said you know I, I, there's not there's not massive amounts to say about this film you know it was uh, this was a big nostalgia kick for me this film because again it was one of those films where um didn't really know much about it going into it and what it was you know going to be about and you know just a love you know nice nice story um again visually great picks up you know very good at doing that yeah they can't go uh, wrong you got the great combo of John Goodman and Billy Crystal as um, Mike and Sully. Um, you got you know Steve Buscemi as um, oh God, I can't remember the uh, what's his name Randall. Randall, uh, you know, yeah. The the lizardy uh, villain and that, and again you've just got this massive city of different funny characters and different monster designs stuff like that. And it's just it it does it, it you know it puts that kind of real you know that backstory behind the monsters that you know you read and that's it's on that same breath of Toy Story and the fact that it gives you know it gives these things that we kind of um or you know already have this idea in your mind of it gives them entirely back you know a backstory and it gives them a whole yeah. new you know new view of what they do and i think that's what you know pixar does so great it takes something that you've already got a view on or you know an idea and it just gives it a completely different new you know way of looking at it it seems so obvious doesn't it like the plot really like to say what if the monsters were actually scared of kids? But yeah. Pixar are so good at taking this like now obvious plot and just and going with it, and like it's really simple. And then as soon as you come with that idea, I imagine it's like there's so much you can play around with here, and it's such an inventive thing that yeah. Pixar but, just but, n- knock out of the park every time. And that's what they do. You look, like you said, you know, they 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 do kind of, uh, you know, they just oh, what would you do? What would it be like if toys came alive? Like what would you, yeah, what would you exactly. be like if toys toys came alive when you're not there? What you know? What do what about how do the fishes feel when they get taken out of the ocean? Like yeah. it's yeah. What 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 is it like to have a, a you know a superhero family and seeing their dynamic, yeah. but actually they're superheroes and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's just exactly. Great. Trying to trying to live in the real world and that, but um, but yeah, and like I said, you know, it doesn't it doesn't harp on too much or get or to get too overly deep with you know the the, the sad bits in it stuff like that and the relationship between Sully and uh, Boo the little girl that they rescue and that and it doesn't. I'd, I'd I'd hate to see Monsters Inc. if they made it in this and under the under the Pixar umbrella that it is now, just the mm. the emotional heart that they would go or you know the heartache they would put people through in that film now, just like how deep they would go. But um, but no, like I said, it's it's the right level of adventure, right level of comedy, and just that right level of like little sad bit of emotional bit without it being that kind of overarching theme that is with Pixar films these days. Nice. Yeah, good shout. Obviously it's not in my top five, but no. is it is in there because you know it's Pixar. So it has to be. Um okay, so now that's at your number two, I have a feeling I don't know actually what is that one of two films for me for your number one. So I'm interested to see what you pick. So uh my number one is Final Fantasy. No, not really. <laughs> uh, I don't think you've ever seen this film. Really? And okay. Yeah. I, 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 for some reason, I don't think you've ever seen this film. So that that probably wipes out straight away what you, one of the things you thought was my number one. Yeah, it's definitely probably not the two films then. Okay, go. Yeah, okay. So, uh, ah, I know what you thought. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, my number one 
is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. And I, I know what you think would have been my number one. What? Either Training Day. No. Oh, oh, okay, fair enough. That's, um, so, so yeah, so the other, the two films I thought was either going to be Shrek or the first Lord of the Rings. Okay. But I feel remember you don't like the Lord of the Rings films now. Uh, no, I it's so spoiler. It's in my honourable mentions. Okay. Lord fine. of the Rings is in my honourable mentions. Like I, I rewatched them. I rewatched them last summer as part of the lockdown. I never hated them. I just never. They were not films that I was like dying to rewatch and stuff okay. like that. And didn't really you know but there you go but yeah so uh my number one is harry potter and the philosopher's stone uh so little backstory so i started reading the first harry potter book in preparation for the first film coming out because everybody at school that i knew absolutely loved the books and was excited about the film so i was like okay i'm gonna read the book and absolutely you know love the book got about halfway through it absolutely adored it and then my dad was like we're going to cinema tonight to see this Harry Potter film. Do you want to see it? I was like, yep, yeah, cool. So I didn't finish the book, just watched the film. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did eventually finish the book. Um, I've never read any of the other books, I'll be honest. I've watched the films. I know I'm the worst person in the world, but there you go. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love the Harry Potter films. And I, I, I don't think you've seen it. Have you seen them? Have you not seen them? I, I saw one on a date. So which, technically, which so one? technically, I didn't watch it. <laughs> which one? Um, uh, I think it's one with uh, I just remember Robert Pattinson's in it. I don't know if he's in more than one. Oh, mate, that's one of the best. What Goblet of Fire? Uh, yeah, there's a bit where the they, they the, go through, the, they the, go through the, like a maze of like bushes. Yeah, the, with the Trial Wizard tournament. Yeah, that'd be that one. Then. Oh my god, that's pro- that's probably the one, the best. That's yeah, probably I, my favourite. To be fair, that's yeah, that's brilliant. I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember oh, it, but mate, that's for oh. different things. But anyway, fair enough. Fair enough. You were. Um... Have your magic wand. Have my hands full. Like. Hey. Um, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, so Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. It's um, it, again. It's 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 one of those films that just in, it introduces you to a world that again it's it's familiar, but it's got these magical elements to it. And I think that's why you know I love Spirited Away as well. It's it's a familiar setting, but it's got all this magical world behind it so you've got um you know if you don't know the story of harry potter he's a young boy who finds out he's a wizard um he gets enrolled into this school for for wizards and witches called hogwarts and again it's one of these things where it kind of it visits real life situations in the sense that you know he sadly you know he loses his parents as a a child and he lives with his um, uncle and aunt who are quite horrible to him um and it kind of deals with, you know, growing up, um, you know, in sort of like a, you know, an, an un, un nice environment, not really knowing who you are. And they're finding out yeah. this completely different identity and, you know, this history behind your family as well. Uh, you know, the kind of struggle of making new friends and starting in a new school. So there's all these kind of like mm. almost real life. Relatable you know, things. Like, yeah. But in the fact that it's set in this magical universe where, you know, there's secret alleyways and streets in london where you can go and buy all your magic you know potions and wands and books and stuff and you've got all these you know these dark wizards that are evil and stuff like that it's it it almost reminds me of a little bit of like a new hope in the sense that like you know if you kind of think of luke luke skywalk and harry potter both both growing up as orphans both being raised by uh an uncle and aunt 
both not really knowing that actually they're part of this much bigger thing and they've got this family bloodline that actually you know is actually quite a big part of the universe it's almost right. like that in the sense that you know somebody who doesn't really know themselves has ambitions for bigger things and actually turns out to have this whole world that they never knew existed or you know never imagined that they would ever be a part of one has a lightsaber one has a magic stick exactly you know there's so many you can, parallels you can have these sort of comparisons and all but you know it's um and like I said, it's, you know, it's, it was great as a kid because it was one of these things where, you know, I was at the same age as they were, you know, the characters were, and, you know, kind of that, um, you know, you almost have that relatable element to it as well, because you're, you know, at the same age, you're like, oh, imagine if I got a letter saying that I was, you know, I was a wizard, you know, <laughs> definitely didn't run around the house, pretend I had a wand, you know, I mean, you pig so, wand. Yeah, just <laughs> waving my broomstick <laughs> at people. <laughs> um but yeah, and like, you know, um, when you love it as much as me, like the score behind it as well. So it's John Williams does the score of the film and, you know, John Williams just can't do a bad score. When you become familiar with the, the soundtrack and, you know, the, 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 the Harry, po- Harry Potter theme, when it kicks into certain points and when it kicks the film off as well, it's like, yeah, here we go. It's the, Again, it's the same as when you watch Star Wars and the opening you know scrolling credit uh scrolling um you know the title uh, sequence bit yeah yeah just familiarity behind it and all um but again you know going back to what i said about spirited away just the um the variety of characters the variety of settings all the different wonderful um creatures that they have and all the wonderful like different potions they have and all the different um teachers they have you know you've got uh alan rickman as snape and you've got um professor mcgonagall played by uh maggie smith and you've got uh, richard harris as dumbledore the the headmaster of the school and again it's just it's 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 so it's so familiar but so cool because it's that kind of you know that secondary you know going into secondary school and being a big school and you know all these challenges but at the same time you've got trolls and you know magic mirrors and you know it just it's just yeah i just absolutely love it it's this i'm purely putting this as a number one because of just how much nostalgia there is behind this film totally. and just how how much I, I absolutely adored this as a kid this film and so you know as an as a grown-up as well i you know I, I can still watch it as well um and just appreciate just like uh, you know when you so, I, so i've been to like the studio tour as well the warner brothers studio yeah. tour and when you see like the, um, the the attention to detail and the the hours that went into all the craft and stuff like that for the setting and stuff like that, it makes you appreciate that bit more as a film because there's very excuse me, there's very little CGI in the film. It's all very you know like physical effects and physical sets and stuff like that, and it just makes you really appreciate as a film just how much they wanted to bring those books to life. Um, don't get me wrong, I know people that have read the books and, you know, it's classic, well, the book was better because the book said this and books yeah. said that. Yeah. yeah, but you can't you can't always translate something from a book to a film. It's almost it's not impossible. enough time. You can't, they're two no, different exactly, mediums. You know, no, unless, you know, unless it's The Hobbit where apparently they've got all the time in the world and they can drag out a scene where you're washing plates over 30 minutes. But there you go. Um, I hate The Hobbit. Um but the but yeah but but yeah you know and it's it like i said you, from uh, as a film it's brilliant because like i said just the the uh, the settings and all the things then all the world that they managed to create just it, it's just fantastic to see um as a story as i said it's great it's you know a, a, a young boy finding out that he's actually more than he really is and being entered into this world that he never knew existed um 
so yeah so I, I absolutely love it and you know from a nostalgia point of view from a great film point of view and just yeah absolutely love it you can't beat nostalgia can you you've got to no. go with your heart with these sorts of lists so yeah i don't blame her i i always i know i famously between us i've never watched harry potter and I, or, or even read the books it just wasn't my bag i guess but i always feel like I wonder, I feel like I've missed the train basically because I yeah, didn't watch I think, it as a yeah. kid. And I think, you know, you're definitely going to appreciate it more at that age because you, like you said, you're almost growing up. We we're almost at that age where we were the same age as Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson and stuff like that. So I wonder if, I've, I guess I've been hesitant to watch them because I feel like, am I going to appreciate it on, a, on an adult's level now? Um but it seems to be one of the few franchises that I've not watched at least one of. I certainly think it probably would have made it easier or to relate to at that age, because like I said, there was, I think there was a cool element of it of like that same age as us. Like, Oh, this is quite yeah, cool that, you know, you totally. kind of almost, you can almost not imagine you in that setting, but you kind of make, you know, you can kind of picture yourself being in that world kind of thing at that age. Um, but I don't know. I, you know, is it, it I, I would definitely say the first two are brilliant, brilliant introductions into the whole thing, you know, and it, it mm. does, it does get a lot darker as things go on. And obviously, you know, with obviously the story and stuff like that, but the second one chamber of secrets as well, it's just absolutely fantastic. Like it, um, it starts going to that bit more darker, right? but still it's, you know, gets that bit more dark, sinister when you learn a bit more about the, the dark arts and Voldemort and all that kind of stuff. But it's, you know, the first one was such a nice little introduction to it and then it kind of builds it as it carries on. But yeah, this... I've kind of stayed very spoiler-free as well. So I, even like books or the films-wise, I still don't really know how it all pans out. So I guess I'm quite lucky. Maybe I'll just I, have to I, get, I, get the box set and just get through them. Yeah, I, I think this is, you know, the... I think only the last two films are very long. I think uh, right. so. They, they split the seventh book into two films, um, but yeah, I just I, I think you know if you get, especially now in lockdown, before this before this whole thing ends, if you got if you find yourself a weekend free, just chain through them. You know, yeah. they're easy enough to watch and stuff like that. And like I said, I think I think for me they're just they're kind of. Um, I don't know. They're just they're just they're nice films. They're, they've got great adventure behind them, stuff like that. They never really steer away from that adventure part as well. Like it never kind of gets. Um, I don't know. It it still it still manages to stay within that magical world without getting too kind of like uh, this is get a bit too real, a bit boring, yeah, a bit okay. kind of like you know you it's it's it, it ruins that escape kind of thing it doesn't do that it stays in that kind of magical world the whole time that's good um but yeah i, I definitely recommend it you know if it's not your bag it's not your bag but I, I dare say that like i said from a filmmaking point of view i think you know if you look into just how much went into making these films stuff like that you, you know you can't but appreciate just how much they've done to try and build the the magic world there is and really you know really show the appreciation behind it nice okay good um so yeah there was another slightly different lists to each other then so i'll quickly run down our our lists again so i'll i'll go through mine so my number five i got was pulse uh number four was amelie number three royal tenenbaums number two uh spirited away and then number one donnie darko and your list uh number five was donnie darko number four was the royal tenenbaums uh, number three, Spirited Away. Number two, Monsters Inc. And number one, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. 
Nice. Okay, brilliant. So let's quickly go on to honourable mentions then. So we'll quickly touch over them uh, a couple of minutes on each one then. So I'll throw it to you first for your your five honourable mentions that didn't quite make your list. Okay, so number one, uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I never, I never hated these films. I saw each one of them at the cinema when they first came out I enjoyed them as a kid, but wasn't like, oh my god, I have to watch these. Like, you know, yeah. like some of my friends were like, oh my god, these are the greatest films ever made. I rewatched them last summer for the first time, like I said, since I've seen them at the cinema. And yeah, they are absolutely amazing films, and they still hold up today. You know, from a visual point of view and stuff like that, and just how epic they are, definitely worth watching. Uh, number two was Training Day. Yep. Um, Ethan Hawke and uh, Denzel Washington. Um, Great film, uh, you know, undercover cops, uh, DA, uh, you know, drug enforcement agents, stuff like that. And, you know, um, it's very gritty, but yeah, just absolutely brilliant film. Uh, definitely worth a watch. Uh, number three, Ocean's Eleven. Oh, uh, it's not in mine. Nice. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed this. It's a shame that it led to 12 or 13. And eight. Uh, oh, God, yeah, there's that as well, <laughs> isn't there? But yeah, but Ocean's Eleven, I, I think, again, it's just it's quite a cool you know, you've got all Clooney and uh, Kit and Damon, you know, cool guys. Oh, also, you know, also, also the worst accent by, oh, oh um, what's his name? Uh, Don Cheadle. Uh, yeah. He's the worst Cockney accent ever in a film. What is it? You bubble. You know, boy, bubble. Come on, mate. Trouble. You know, oh, such a awful, awful. Sorry, yeah, go on. Um, number four is Zoolander. <laughs> nice. Uh, so Ben Stiller plays a uh, ridiculous model who um, gets pulled into a world of espionage and assassination <laughs> against uh, a, um, I think it's a Chinese politician that wants to stop slave labour for clothing and that. And it stars Will Ferrell and Mia Jokovic. And it's just, yeah, it's just silly, but it's it's an absolutely brilliant, uh, you know, comedy. And you've got a thousand things you can quote from it as well. Uh, and number five, and this is uh, something I mentioned on our Guilty Pleasure episode last week, is Wet Hot American Summer. Right, okay. Dumb, 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 dumb uh, ca uh, summer camp movie. And yeah, I'm not going to go into too much because I've talked about a length of it in the, the, uh, the roundhouse we did last, roundtable we did last uh, last week. But yeah, Wet Hot American Summer, absolutely love it. Can't, can't stress enough how much I love that film. Nice. I haven't seen that actually. So when you're talking about before... I was kind of just going, oh, nice. <laughs> I feel like I have seen it. I feel like you've talked about it before oh, as well. Oh, I love so. it. It's so dumb. So, so dumb. Um, I'm quite glad because none of my honourable mentions are, are any of yours. Oh, okay. Uh, which is quite good, I guess. Um, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you didn't mention Lord of the Rings because I thought you absolutely love Lord of the Rings. I do. I just don't love the first one. I think it's a really oh, it's a, okay. It's a really good like prelude. Okay. And then, like the the next two, they ramp it up, and it gets you know oh, the battles yeah. are much oh, better, yeah. and it's a good sort of initial uh, setup for the trilogy. But yeah, I okay, always I always felt like when it finished, I was like, I just wanted a little bit more in that one film. But anyway, um, so I'm going. I've more got a few <laughs> more. <laughs> more I've got um, some nice quirky uh, films to throw at you. Um, so one that very nearly made the list, but I want to watch it again first. Uh, maybe if I watched it before, um, it may be in the top five. But it's any opportunity to mention a David Lynch film, uh, Mulholland Drive. 
So oh, okay. So I really want to watch it because I, it's been so long since I've seen it. I've only seen it once. Maybe what? Yes, that's it. Yeah. And um, you know, it's a classic David Lynch film. I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it. The famous diner scene as well, uh, which I if you haven't, then keep it a surprise um, because it's just a. The, probably the standout scene in this um but yeah it's it's david lynch you're going to see something you haven't seen before like all of his films really but i i i, I want to watch it again first that's why i would, didn't quite put it in my top five uh this time around because i love a a weird kooky film um the second one i've got in no particular order really is the devil's backbone now we, I think I mentioned, well, we mentioned Pan's Labyrinth on a previous episode. So this is another Del Toro film. And it's an earlier, obviously an earlier one than uh, than Pan's Labyrinth. But it's another sort of ghost story spe- uh, set in Spain, um, sort of during the Civil War, I think 1930s, around 1940s, around that time. Um, it's one that I don't think one of his films that doesn't really get talked about enough. And I think it should because it's absolutely brilliant. It's another one of those um, Del Toro films where it's very much focused on the innocence of of kids, really. I think there seems to be a running theme throughout his films. He's got that sort of thing. He's got, um, I think, well, I guess it's obviously the most prevalent in Pan's Labyrinth. Um, But it's, again, it's another another adult film, but with a a child main protagonist. Um, But it's it's made for adults, if that makes sense. So it's in, in... in that similar strain as Pan's Labyrinth, which um, I just kind of wanted to, to, to raise here because I don't think it's a film that gets noticed or talked about that much. So I thought I'd throw that in. Um, one I thought may have been any of this, but I think it's a slightly controversial one in people's opinion, if they like it or not, is AI, the Spielberg film. Never seen that. Oh, I think you... I've heard... The like... thing is, I, that's it's funny you say that. I've heard such mixed things about that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, I originally didn't like it. I, I don't know. I think I did see this at the cinema because I think it is a PG. So I would have probably seen it with either. I've been at that age where I could go on my own or with parents. I can't quite remember. But remember, it's a not Spielberg being a film, f- isn't it? Yeah, it is a, it's, it's, yeah. A Kubrick, well, it's a Kubrick project. So Stanley oh. Kubrick wrote the story. Um, I don't know if it's finished or if it was pretty much nearly done. And then Spielberg and Kubrick had a friendship and basically after he passed away in the late 90s um Spielberg kind of picked it up and made this film out of it in his memory kind of thing um which I kind of appreciated more when I was becoming more of a Kubrick fan but I think it does get shit on quite a lot this film and I don't think it's that bad I don't really don't think it's bad um I think it's worth what if you haven't seen it I'm intrigued maybe that could be your Put a okay. pin in it, but it could My be your go away. Yeah, it could be your film to okay. go away and see what side of the fence you, you sit on what, with that one. What's it called? AI. How, how do you spell that? Ah. Ah. So, yeah, that would be, be a good one to, uh, to take away. Um, so, you mentioned Training Day. So, yeah, I'll put that in my list, but I'll, I'll put in another one. Um, Hearts in Atlantis. Have you seen this? No, for some reason I, that rings a bell though. So another one that gets doesn't get thought about. It's a Stephen King uh, adaptation. And it stars Anthony Hopkins and a very young Anton Yelchin, which is the the guy from Alpha Dog, and he was in uh, Star Trek as well. 
can't remember who he plays. He plays yes. the um, I know who you mean. Uh, Chekhov. That's it. Yeah. Um, it's another. It's it's. I would put it in line with. It's not at the scale of something like Shawshank. I mean, it's, that's just a masterpiece. But it's in line. If if you if you like Shawshank and you like Green Mile, more so Green Mile, then you'd love Hearts Atlantis because Hearts Atlantis, without giving too much away, is more of a, the supernatural one. So more leaning towards Green Mile. Than, okay. than Shawshank because it has that supernatural element but it's not like the main thing of that film and basically it focuses predominantly on on uh, Anthony Hopkins who's like this mysterious stranger that enters this family's life but is there's more to him um, that meets the eye and you kind of learn throughout the film what what that is and I'll, I'll keep it as vague as that but I remember seeing this relatively young and just really enjoying it and again it's one I think it's on Netflix at the minute it's definitely worth watching as well. Um, it's hour and forty. It's a relatively easy watch. Um, I actually got about halfway through that watch in in ready for this, um, and I just remembered like I need to go go away and finish it. But it's it's great. It's definitely worth watching as well. Um, and then I've got one more. And then I've got a very very quick shout out. So my really obscure why the hell have I watched it film <laughs> is Itchy the Killer which is one of those films where, you know, you're in college or high school and it was one of those films. It's like, this is the sickest film. <laughs> you should, <laughs> you shouldn't watch it, but you got to watch it. It's basically, it's a Takashi Miike film. Who's probably most known for stuff like audition or one miss call or those sorts of horrors. He does other samurai films. He's done a lot of films, but I think these are the ones he gets, uh, uh, remembered for the most he's basically follows this sadomasochistic <laughs> yakuza uh, gangster who he's just a psychotic killer and the way people die in this film um if i remember rightly he's got like blades on his shoes so he's like kung fu so imagine like a kung fu fight but he's got blades on his shoes and then what that would do to someone mm, um okay yeah it's it's one of those if you're really into those sorts of gruesome quirky films uh, japanese cinema then then maybe watch that um but kind of on a more light-hearted note uh, i made this a special shout out because this was the first film i saw not on my own cinema but not with parents so I remember okay. going to my mates to go see it and it was Tomb Raider. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not amazing, but I just thought I'd give it a shout out because it was the it's first a, film. It's got a very sexy, sweaty Angelina Jolie in it, though, isn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, that's yeah. probably why I watched it. I mean, what would it be, but, year, it's year seven, year eight at yeah. school? So, yeah, that's what there's I was thinking it. There's one film that I thought you might mention, but you didn't. But I was—I almost mentioned it just because I don't really remember much about it. But uh, what are your thoughts on Vanilla Sky? So I've got it down as so I was looking through my letterbox ratings. I've got this down as a seven. So okay. uh, it's kind of in the middle of like, yeah, it's a good film, but it's one I would like to revisit. I think yeah. it's, it's, it's one of the, is a massive buzz around it, isn't it? And I think it's, yeah, for I remember, people, I remember, it's like, it's over a, it's over, it's a bit of a Marmite one, but it has some I, iconic scenes. Like when they Manhattan, that's like no one's about. Yeah. Like, that's the bit I remember. But. I remember watching it and I, I'm not gonna ruin the ending, but I remember being like, this is nowhere near what I expected it to be in the slightest. Yeah. I think that's why 
I think that's why I enjoyed it because at first it was like I don't know this it's like okay this this guy's just obviously you know his luck has run out he's quite a bit of a playboy and actually life isn't as amazing as it, you know but it takes a bit of a almost like a science fictiony kind of twist doesn't mm. it almost. well I think I, like, I think the marketing's to blame because the poster looks like a rom com yeah and that's it's yes way more yes. than that yeah so I think do you know what I think I watched this because you lent me it oh maybe. I think we were talking about it for some, uh, I don't know what we were talking about, but I remember watching it because I think you lent me it. And I remember just being like the, the same. I remember, I remember when it came out years ago, I think it was supposed to be like, uh, yeah, a scene as a bit of a rom-com or kind of, you know, or, or a drama at least, you know, yeah. kind of, um, you know, Tom Cruise being this, you know, this philanthropist billionaire playboy who, you know, gets his, who, you know, gets his, um, gets his rocks gets, off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's not, it's like, it's completely, it takes a bit of a weird direction. But yeah, the only reason I didn't put it in honourable mentions, because I, I don't remember enough about it to, but I remember yeah, same. it. But it kind of stuck out for me, one of those films is like, I kind of feel like I want to ask about it and that, but maybe that's yeah. one to, to revisit as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. So there's, there's a great bunch of lists again. I think it's another good year. There's some really heavy hitters in this, which yeah. obviously we've overlapped in our top five. So before we go on to the next year, we'll take away our recommendations. So um, I'm trying to think what was from your list, but I remember we said just talking now, AI was one that. that yeah, stood out I, think, I'm, I, think, I think I think I'm going to watch AI then. I'm going to give AI a go. Okay. If that, it's a Marmite, another Marmite film. I'm going to I'm going to give it a watch and um, have a have a look and see how that is. But I think go and watch Harry Potter. Yeah. Go and watch, set off my journey. I, t- to I tell you why. Yeah, watch the, watch the first Harry Potter. If you feel like now nah, you don't want to continue it, fair enough. At least you gave it a try. You know, it might just be the wrong time. Whatever. Watch the first one. Like, just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Give it okay. a go and see see what you think. If you don't want to carry it on with it, fair enough. But just give it a go. At least you can say, look, you tried it. It wasn't your bag. Fair enough. Fine. So watch okay. watch Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. For our American listeners, you'll know it as Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Because uh, apparently you guys don't know what a philosopher is. <laughs> Suckers. Suckers. Um. <laughs> yeah. Good, a di- good a dictionary. <laughs> okay, so that's our recommendations then. So, for the next year, for the next episode, I'll quickly shuffle the dates. So... The next, <laughs> the <laughs> next year we've got is 1993. Okay, nothing's coming to. You'll no, be, su- you'll be surprised. That's we'll a, have the same. I'm going to predict now. We'll have the same number one. Okay. I'm okay. very, I'm very confident we're going to have the same number one film. But okay. yeah, we'll go away. Look at our number, uh, our top five. Sorry, and obviously our least favourites as well. But um, uh, thanks again for your time today. Uh, talking through our films and we'll go away watch our films and then we'll come again for 1993 look forward to it man speak to you soon